0: Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Flock, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Kimberly, Pastor Joel Sikowski. Hey, Pastor Joel!
1: Why do you do the things that you are to me? <laughs> Hi. <laughs>
0: What is that? What the
1: heck is that? A really bad impersonation of a really great TV show that I was trying to prime you for the topic today. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's how bad that was. I don't mind. You know what? I do my impersonations bad on purpose because then it requires me to explain
0: them. And that's what (laughs) makes you so hilarious. (laughs)
1: As yeah. all
0: of the explanation, no one can explain a joke yeah. like Pastor Joel. Oh,
1: geez. Yeah. People love that.
0: No one, no one appreciates the bombing of the jokes more <laughs> than Pastor Joel appreciates his own bombing of the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm having fun. I am. We are, we're having a great time. It's already yeah. a great episode. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how it was primed, but we're talking about confrontation.
1: Yeah, that was me trying to confront you in a funny way. It just didn't Why funny. do you yeah, do. do? how you are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. So what's the background uh, and introduction to confrontation, Pastor Joel?
1: Oh, I'm loving this. Uh, this is such a good topic. We spent an entire year at Music Life Church. Before we were Mulk Kimberly and Mulk Appleton. Yeah. And we were just Mulk. An entire year focused on growing our emotion and confrontation. We called it the year of confrontation. And it was really also, we equate it to the year of restoration. And we learned w- without confrontation, there's no growth. Without confrontation, you don't get restored. And and really grow to positive emotion to this really important topic. And it's going to connect really well to the one we just did on Mercy. And we're, we'll see that at length. But we know problems exist, like we saw in the previous episode, bad things happen, And it seems like people think there's only two options. either punish or you push the reset button. Hmm. However, God has given us the tools to fix these problems. And it always requires confrontation. I can't fix something without being confronted. I remember the moment I learned that lesson. Really? I remember the moment that I was asked can you repair without being confronted? And I remember wanting to say yes, but then it was like, no, you can't. And what I, was, what I was confronted with in that moment was not only my doctrine of confrontation and doctrine of repair, but also confronted with this idea that I have a really negative emotion attached to this. And it doesn't have to be. But when when pe- when when people think about it, we all agree in theory. that problems require confrontation. Yet so much damage has happened over this concept because in practice, not in theory, but in practice, most people hate being confronted. and that's what I was dealing with. I was dealing with how I had been confronted, not the concept of confrontation in and of itself.
0: Okay. Well, how have people been hurt by this in the church?
1: People either confront in a destructive manner or with judgment or without mercy. Or people are enabling others by not confronting at all. Now, neither of these options, neither of the confronting destructively or not confronting at all result in something more. And neither of these is how salvation or anything else that is associated with God's nature and God's will works.
0: What does this conflict look like in the church? There's a strict side. There's a loose side. Let's start with the strict side, Pastor Joel. How do they respond to confrontation?
1: Really taking it upon themselves to to believe that it's my job to show you the sin in your life. Or my job to convict you of your wrongs and oh. maybe, maybe really con- to condemn you. It's my job to make you feel bad about yourself. Then I really know that you, that I've done my job confronting you. But this side is simply confrontation with judgment. Mm. So it would be with, and we've, we've talked about conviction versus condemnation in previous episodes. The method or manner in which I'm confronting is the issue on this side. It's not that I'm confronting, it's how I'm doing it. So it's my, so basically, you're a sinner, Jonathan. Right. You Instead need to stop sinning
0: sin. because you're a sinner. Right. Right.
1: So my job to convict you or really to condemn you is the implication here. But it's confrontation with judgment. That's the strict side.
0: Got it. How do these people support their perspective with the Bible?
1: Oh, the same as everybody else uses the Bible wrong. So I referenced Matthew 7 in the last episode. I'm going to do it again here. So here we see, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Great. Yep. Well, this is all great. We understand it the right way. Verse three. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. So we take verses like this, which this verse is saying, don't judge. Why? You'll be judged if you do. Right. With the same manner in which you judged. Immediately. It's going to happen to you. And then that's great, right? Thank you, Jesus. And then verse three is this amazing verse that helps us be humble. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Rhetorical question where Jesus is basically saying, but in a in an amazing strategic way, you should check out what's in your what what problems you have before you're pointing out everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Work on yourself first, right? And then verse four is the or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. So I've heard people use these verses to actually support for how they can judge a person. Really? Because if, if I am removing the log in my own eye or the plank in my own eye, then I get to judge you. And the speck in your eye. So I've heard people say, this is actually Jesus showing us the right way to judge. Okay. But the problem is, again, we have this idea of confrontation lumped in our brains with judgment. That's why we hate it so much.
0: Yeah. Maybe rightly
1: so, because so much of our experiences being confronted and confronting others is doing it wrong. Doing it with judgment. And that hurts and it sucks and it's wrong and it's abuse.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: But that would be, you know, so like all the other topics with all the other verses we use for support, the big issue comes with either misinterpreting or misapplying the verses. The verses themselves are great. But these verses don't work. I've heard people use these to say I should be judging and confronting these people with judgment. No, these verses, they don't. They're all about you. Right. How you should be handling yourself.
0: Yeah. So how would you handle an an interaction with someone who held that belief?
1: I would, if if I was given time and hopefully I would, because you know, when I'm interacting with people on either side of the argument, I want to be merciful to them. Now you all know what that means. Mm -hmm. I want to understand and I want to have a healthy conversation. And if I'm allowed, I'd love to explain and look at the interpretation and the, actually the etymology of some of the words in these verses, because in the original language, it actually says that in the very moment you judge another, you get judged. Mm. The word for judge is crino. And it speaks of assessing a punishment to equal out justice Now. Now, we saw in the last episode, God is focused on mercy so people have a chance to confess and repent. So, I could ask, do you want me to judge you? Do you want others to show you no mercy? Now, what about verse five? It says, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, this is what I'd really love to be able to talk to this person about. Let's really look at and unpack. Let's slow down. Let's try to understand what Jesus is saying. Not so it serves me and what I'm doing, but just so Mm -hmm. I can understand Jesus. Because we look at the verse five and it actually shows us, it teaches us that we get to help the person remove the speck from their eye when we've qualified to do it ourselves. This is not about judging. This is about helping other people.
0: Oh, that's where it says, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So you are helping them remove it.
1: Right. We should all be trying to remove the flaws within ourselves. We have control over that. And we should be taking the understanding and experience we get from doing that to help other people do that as well. It's no one's job to remove the plank from another person's eye. It's all of our jobs to remove the planks from our own eyes.
0: Nice. And
1: the benefit of fellowship and brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ is that we have people who will help us do that. Nice. Not people who will judge us for the, for what the flaws we
0: have. There you go. So the summary of the strict perspective is don't be a crinoceros <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is that's a beautiful beautiful summary <laughs>
0: yeah. the strict side uh, tends to operate like crinoceroses the
1: crinocerosaurus
0: yeah a who charges in and uh, confronts but with judgment
1: Yep. <laughs> oh man that's funny <laughs>
0: Here we go have some what the flock t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that. Great. Okay, so let's take a call from Crowley, Louisiana. We know this guy. It's our friend, Pastor Rich. Go ahead, Pastor Rich. You are on the air.
2: Hey. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Hey, Pastor Joel. How are you how are you gentlemen doing today?
1: Oh, exceptional. It's great to hear from you, Pastor Rich. Great to be talking about confrontation.
2: Oh,
0: I'm so happy you called Pastor Rich. How are you doing today?
2: Well, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit more courageous. This topic is pretty tough for me to talk about. Oh,
0: why is that?
2: Well, growing up, I was always taught that confrontation was kind of one way. Uh, from the pastor to the congregation, I guess I've learned that confrontation is pretty bad.
0: Ah, oh, confrontation is great. You know, Pastor Rich, I think we're a lot alike. I feel you, man. I have felt confrontation causes a lot of pain, and I hate causing pain. However i found out that all growth is uncomfortable. So not confronting people is actually preventing them from growing.
2: I, I think you're right, Pastor Jonathan. Well, it isn't my church damage that caused me to avoid confrontation. Something else. But anyway, I, I'm going to hang up and listen. I really hope y'all have some pointers you can give me. Thank you for letting me share. I really do appreciate it. You know, and and even though my dad may not say it, I know this is his favorite podcast. God bless you both.
0: Well, thank you for the call, Pastor Rich. I'm glad that he's being more courageous, Stephan out.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: You know, my... Not liking confrontation has to do a lot with my uniqueness, something that I'm really excited to be talking about in a couple of episodes.
1: Oh, I know it's hard not to commentate more about that, that episode in particular. I mean, but we've we've alluded to it many, many times about this natural ability you have, but it'll be it'll be fun to here. I am here I am. <laughs> Doing everything I can to commentate without commentating. <laughs> so yes, I agree with you, Pastor.
0: Nice. Well, let's go forward to the yes, other please. side. Yeah, the other side <laughs> of the argument. Let's talk about the loose perspective.
1: The loose side is we enable. Mm-hmm. This is the, the the result of not confronting is actually the result is enabling people down a flawed path. So the loose side is you do something wrong, I make excuses for you. To, ev- to avoid either of us being
0: uncomfortable. And how have people been hurt by that perspective?
1: Well, you said it to Pastor Rich. People are prevented from growth. And worse, they go down a path that leads to depression.
2: Really, because people aren't following the words of Jesus. Nice. Nice.
0: How would you handle an interaction with someone who was ducking confrontation on the loose side?
1: Oh, this is a tough question to ask. You probably you're going to feel the tension in this one right away. Not just <laughs> you, PJ, but even the listeners.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you okay with helping people become worse over time?
0: <laughs> what <laughs> right? a question. Are you okay, helping people become yeah. worse?
1: Yeah. And because we're talking, we're not talking about people here who just. Aren't confronting because they don't know what's right to confront, or aren't confronting because um, they just it they haven't become aware that they need to. We're talking about people who are avoiding it and making excuses for people doing wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. You making it excuses for me doing something wrong is you making me worse.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Another question you could ask is, do you want to prevent others from growing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Similar question. Mm-hmm. one that maybe doesn't require as much of a level of boldness or courageous that we courage that we're seeing in the first question and that we're starting you know that pastor rich as well we see him growing in his courage and how he's handling situations like this is pretty great
0: yeah so when you see this going on in the church pastor joel freedom the freedom side The loose side, the strict side, the limitation side. What is, what are your thoughts? I confront them all.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the question. Not what do I do? What do I, (laughs) What I what do I think about this topic in the church, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are generally put into three categories. There's the people I feel sorry for. These are the enablers and the enabled. I feel bad for the enablers because they mm-hmm. think they're loving others by not causing any pain, but the long-term pain is much worse. plus Possibly including the person's very salvation. Can you imagine that? Dude, Enabling somebody into not being saved or even forfeiting their salvation. Yep. And I feel I bad for the, yeah. I, and I feel bad for the enabled because they think they're on the right path and they've been deceived. Not a good spot to be in. No. These are the people who maybe think they're saved when they're not. There's the people I understand why they do what they do. These are the people who leave the church, often leave the church, when the confrontation is destructive. Now, conviction is focused on the act, the behavior. Condemnation is focused on the person. And a lot of confrontation is unmerciful and damages people to the point where they want to avoid all confrontation. So these people, we understand why they leave church, and and it might even be the healthy move for them to do so. Because worse than that is they may end up turning into the previous group. And they just, you know, I'd rather them leave the church and get out of a destructive situation than turn into a person causing damage. Mm. Then there's the people I'm impressed with. These are people who confront in love. They look out for the growth of others by helping them become aware of issues while doing so for that person's benefit, which we know these people that we're impressed with would also appreciate the confrontation coming to them from other people.
0: Nice. So what is the ultimate answer, Pastor Joel?
1: The ultimate answer has nothing to do with any emotional thing at all. It's not being mean or being pokey or, you know, any of those feelings we attribute to confrontation. The ultimate answer is simply to make a person aware of an issue. Hmm. That's the two halves of this answer. I mean, you look at the etymology of the word confront. We know it means with face, like front being face, con being with, means simply to make aware or front be bring to the front, make some like bring to the front of their face, right? Yeah. Yep. We're just making a person aware of an issue. How that's done has been done so poorly in the church. And maybe this is another area that the church has taught the world to suck at, too. It's done so poorly that people have charged confrontation itself as being bad. And really connecting this to the last episode, mercy. One of the greatest ways to show mercy to a person is to confront them in love. So we know when I confront a person for something they've done wrong, it starts the mercy clock, right? The person's aware. Mm-hmm. And now there's time between the unjust act. They're aware of the unjust act. And there's time before the judgment happens. Well, only when I confront without judgment.
0: Oh, Yeah.
1: So so much damage has come from people lumping confrontation with judgment, people judging in their confrontation, and it's our fault because we suck at confronting, even though it's written down for us how to confront. But that's why if we confront the right way, we're facilitating that mercy period for people to make up for the wrongs they've done. But Matthew 18, so we looked at Luke 17.3. Here's some companion verses that I think people are more likely to be familiar with. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. We talked about in our Apostles Doctrine Malk podcast about SOPs. I want to just lay this out here. Here is Jesus giving the church an SOP for how to deal with confrontation and with injustice among believers. Verses 15 through 17. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, Take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Thank you, Jesus, for the SOP. This is about somebody having something unjust happen against them and them being confronted in this. So notice the measure for a successful confrontation is when he hears you. Yeah. Now I've seen firsthand, fellow brothers in Christ, that you and I have PJ, a person being confronted, and when they were confronted is here's what I'm confronting you, and here's how you're wrong. Now you need to repent. Mm-hmm. That's not following the words of Jesus. Right. A successful confrontation is when he hears you. This brings once again, the importance of understanding versus agreement. The Matthew 18 process isn't about getting the person to repent. It's just about them hearing you. So the Holy Spirit can work on them because this is about brothers and sisters in Christ. And what's great about this is we know, again, we're not right all the time where we are not right and just like God is. Mm -hmm. And there's times where you, where I'll confront you for something you've done against me where in fact, I was wrong. You didn't actually sin against me, which is another reason why it's important to handle this the right way. Right. If I confront you without judgment, then even if I'm wrong, I didn't also do something wrong in how I confronted you. I could be trying to do the right thing confronting you, but if I confront you with judgment and I'm wrong about the thing I confronted you in, now I'm the one who sinned. So the Matthew 18 process is about really learning how to communicate the right way. And now, just like in the last episode, I got some pointers I want to give. Love it. To the people listening on how you can grow in confronting in love nice now i was actually the first sermon i ever preached back in 2013 at music Life church was titled confronting in love
0: was it really yep dude oh you set up your ministry with a bang yeah it was
1: our our senior pastor at the time had the very and it was the second sunday we ever had church so the first Music Life Church service, our senior pastor taught about what the mission of Music Life Church is, refuge, restoration, and repair. And he ended it by talking about how you can't have repair without confrontation. So I felt like God told me, and I was blessed to have the second Sunday that we had church. I was able to preach that week. And I felt like God said, okay, well, teach everybody how to confront and love. If confrontation is so important for our mission. and these are the these are three guidelines that I taught. Three communication guidelines that you can use in everyday communication, but you can definitely use and ought to use when you're confronting people. Number one, make statements on myself. I think, I feel, I believe. Not, you think, you are, you did. Number two, ask questions of the person I'm interacting with. You see, those of you who have been fans of this podcast know how we handle people on either side of the argument always happens through questions. And if you look at, you could go do a flashback in your brain real quick of every time we've talked, Pastor Jonathan has asked me a question, well, how would you handle somebody on this side of the argument? Well, how would you handle somebody on this side of the argument? What he's really saying is how would you confront somebody on this side of the argument? Yeah. How would you confront somebody on this side of the argument? And every single response I have comes through a question.
0: Nice. Yep.
1: Well, I would say maybe not every, but the majority of them happen through questions. And then I'd say the ones that aren't questions fit number one guideline. It's, yep. a, it's something I'm sharing on myself. And number three is to answer questions of others because we don't want to be hypocrites. We want our questions answered. And we also want to give room. If I'm asking a question, somebody I'm confronting, they are very likely to come back and ask me a question in response. Maybe they're even asking me, why are you asking me this? I should answer that question. So there you go. Make statements on myself. I think, I feel, I believe. Ask questions of others and answer questions of others. And next time you confront a person, take a back step and try doing whatever you want to say to that person through these communication guidelines.
0: Nice. So, if someone were to feel, uh, or to, you know, it says, so take this passage, Joel, and they and they said, where Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How would you do that with the with the guidelines? So,
1: let's say, let's use the example of I pushed you on the street. If I was using the communication guidelines, Mm -hmm. let's say you pushed me, Mm -hmm. I could just ask you, why'd you push me? That would be me using question number two or number one, make statements on myself. I feel bad that you pushed me. That hurt me. It wasn't you're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. It was, ouch, that hurt me. That's a statement on myself.
0: So it's like, instead of saying you trespassed against me, I would say I feel, or I believe I was trespassed against by you.
1: Yeah. And then, and then what would be great then is following that statement up with a question. Can you explain to me why this series of events happened? Sweet.
0: Cool. These communication
1: guidelines have been life-changing for everybody we've taught them to. It has completely transformed I mean, because everything with other human beings comes down to communication. And these guidelines have been instrumental in how they've helped people, and especially with confrontation.
0: Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.